Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Good morning. Aaron, can you come? I want to just uh, tie Aaron's word that he felt like he had this morning along with Stephen's just to give you uh, some perspective of how God uses ordinary people coming together with purpose. And, uh, and then, then I'm going to preach, and you're going to see how the two connect here in just a second. This is Thank pretty you. substantial. Um, yeah, so during worship, and I will preface all of this by saying this is probably meant more for me than anyone else in the room, or at least on an equal measure. Um, so I'm glad we taped these so I can go back in a month and be like, oh yeah, that's, I need to remember that. Um, uh, yeah, so during worship, I felt like God was just saying um, that there are plenty of people in the room that if you ask them, you know, hey, do you trust God with your finances? Hey, do you trust God with your health? Do you trust God with your kids? All this stuff. Of course, they would say yes. Um, they would say, yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. Um, but then they would turn right around and then in all the details, they'd start finding anxiety. Like they would say, of course I trust God with my finances. And then they turn right around and say, okay, where do I invest this? Where do I invest this? Or I trust God with my health. Okay, what do I need to eat? How do I need to work out? I trust God with my kids. What school do they need to go to? All this other stuff. And I felt like God was just reminding me um, and and everyone in the room that, you know, the word doesn't say surrender the big thoughts to God. It says surrender every thought to God. Um, and I felt like, and I don't know if it's a message for the new year, but I felt like God was just saying that um, just to surrender all of the details, every single detail, um, just seek what he would say on them and then just trust not only the big thoughts, but also every detail to him and he'll take care of it. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. So in our school on Monday nights, we're reading a book by John Bevere that talks about how to live life from an eternal perspective. And uh, it's, a, it's a great book. Uh, but I thought I would start that way this morning because it'll, it is, you know, taking us into a new year. I've seen stuff on Facebook and, you know, been in conversation. Uh, people are thinking about fasting, you know, again, and, and I hope you are. I'll go ahead and tell you that uh, uh, we're, we're about to do our yearly planning session with staff, and, and we're going to come up that we're going to fast every Wednesday. So if you'd like to fast with us, we're going to try to make fasting a weekly deal this year, not just one uh one thing that we do in January, and then we're, Phew, I got the fasting out of the way. I made it through January. <laughs> so we're going to try to make it part of our lives because Jesus asked us to do so, and we're also, we'll, we'll come back with a what, what different ways, different time frames that we can do some pretty substantial fast throughout the year as well. So that's in our thoughts. Our thoughts are, you know, we're closing out of the year. We're going into a new year. Uh, you know, Praising the Lord of all the victories that we had, I hope. And also saying, mm, I could have done better with X. You know, I, you know, I didn't handle that as well as I knew I could have, and I didn't respond quite as godly in that situation as maybe I could have if I'd have been walking with Jesus a little bit better. 
I mean, we, we, we have those moments. And, and so what we're doing in this time of year always is, is looking forward to what God's going to do. Now, this is what I understand. We've got three pages of notes from last year's staff planning session of where we prayed over each individual person. We prayed over each person, and we prophesied over each person. And there's three pages of prophecies, and almost 100% of them came true. Happened throughout the year. So I can't wait to review those things. But I want to encourage you to begin to, to ask the Lord and pray those things over your life and, and do it with power. And so today, I want to just talk a little bit about how to live your life this coming year with an eternal perspective. So we're going to just entitle the message Grasping Eternity. Because sometimes that's a difficult thing. Matter of fact, all the time that's a difficult thing, grasping eternity. I think in each one of us we know that there's, there's this eternal thought process that we, we know this is not the end. But to begin to grasp eternity, I think what we have to do is define it. And so let's look at what the dictionary says about eternity. Eternity, it says, is in, in infinite time. It's infinite time. Okay? That stretches me out all by itself. I mean, I was just looking at uh, a, a video on YouTube or Facebook or something uh, in my downtime over the holidays and saw how deep the oceans were. Kind of, kind of just checked that out a little bit. And I was like, wow, man, the oceans, there are places, the oceans are, are deep. I mean, it, it is, it's vast. It's, it's amazing. But when you start thinking about eternity, the oceans aren't very deep. They're pretty shallow. Because eternity is, is you know, it's, it's substantial. So it's infinite time, but there's actually another definition. It's the state of being outside of time, and that's the one that I really want you to think about. The time is actually a fragment of eternity broken off at both ends. It's got a beginning and an end, and you've got that on your tombstone, born this fragment of time, ending with that fragment of time. I think we're all aware of some eternal quality. You know, we, we, we think there's going to be eternal life, but we just have a really hard time understanding it, just like we have an hard time understanding the universe. Let me give you a comparison. Eternity compared to immensity. Immensity is boundless space. When we think about the depths of the end, this is deep, isn't it? When we think about, no pun intended, the, the, when we think about the depths of the ocean, and then we think about the universe, and the immensity of the universe, and the universe is continually growing, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then we look at the planets and the science that goes with all of it, it, it it's mind-boggling. And we really can't grasp that either. I mean, we have the science about it, but in our hearts and minds, we just can't wrap our arms around it. Neither can we wrap our arms around eternity. Uh, immensity is boundless space, and eternity is boundless duration. 
and time is a fragment of eternity broken off at both ends. And so God wants us to understand that he is outside of time. God is eternal. He is the everlasting. He's out outside of time and space. He is, he is everywhere all the time. Psalms 90 verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are gone. From everlasting to everlasting. That kind of has the idea of this, this moment in time that's broken off at both ends, and you look in one direction, and you go to everlasting. And then you look the other direction, and you go to everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting. God was forever that way, in your broken off space and time, and he's forever that way. Isaiah 43, 13 says, Indeed, before the days was, before the day was, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and there is no one who can reverse it. You know, you don't have to worry about mankind somehow messing up what God did. We can mess it up to a point, but we're never ever going to be able to reverse what God did. There's no authority. There's nothing that can do that. Job says this in Job 36, 26. This is out of the message. I really like how it was put. It's take a long, hard look. See how great God is. Infinite. Greater than anything you could ever imagine or figure out. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, in its broken out spot. Also, he has put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. You're not going to understand, you're not going to understand duration, and you're not going to understand boundless space, immensity. or eternity outside of God because it's outside of your broken off spot. But here's what we've got to understand, and here's how we have to live life, and what God expects us and how he expects us to live life. The first thing that we need to know is that we've been given a fragment of time. There is, there's no accident. Nobody can reverse the fragment of time that's been given to you. God has established it. He says about you that he knows the number of your days. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows what he's ordained for you. He knows what he preordained for you. He knows what he foreknew about you. He created you with purpose. He was intentional with his design and his purpose for you. Now, the thing about us as human beings in, in our culture in this time frame, we consider ourselves as part of the masses. We're part of the masses, and it's almost like we get lost in the masses as if God didn't have intentionality with each individual part of the mass. But if we, if we do that, what we're really doing is limiting God's ability to have purpose for each individual. 
And so what you need to understand about yourself is that Scripture tells us over and over again that God was intentional with his design for you, and he has a specific purpose for you to accomplish while you're here on earth. It's the will of God, and the will of God takes all kinds of form, mostly just has to do with our pursuit of the presence of God, and as we pursue God and the presence of God, then God carries out the will. That's called grace. So we work and we work and we work and we work trying to do the will of God, and all we really need to be doing is pursuing the presence of God, and the presence of God will then begin to establish the will of God. Yes. Yes. And it can't be reversed. There's no way it can be reversed. And so God is intentional with his design of you, and he has a purpose for you. And in that fragment of time, we have to understand that we're going to cross over into eternity at some point. Nothing ever loses its mass. The matter never goes away. It changes form, but it's still here. Your body returns to dust. You'll never go away. Your spirit goes to eternity. You're eternal no matter what. Your spirit's eternal, and your mass is eternal. But we're going to cross over. We're going to cross over into the heavens, heavenlies with Jesus and with God and with those that have passed before us who were in relationship with God. Or we're going to pass over into eternity into the abyss where there's outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the difference in the two, whether you go to one place or another, is whether you align and trust in God, whether you believe in the Creator, whether you put your trust in His way and His provision for you. And when you do that, you can be assured that for eternity you will live with Him. And that's salvation. And God has provided a way, Stephen, for that salvation. Now, the question is, in our broken out piece of time, does it matter so much how much you do or how effective you are? You know, so oftentimes what we do as human beings is we, we try to identify with what somebody else has accomplished, especially when it comes to kingdom things. Then you should never, ever be trying to emulate somebody else's kingdom accomplishments. You should be trying to, instead of doing a lot of work, you should be trying to discover the purpose that you were designed for. You need to be coming into the presence of God and letting the revelation of God overtake you, overshadow you, to give you your design and specific purpose. And he's got that established for you before the foundation of the world. And he's a big enough God to reveal it to you if you'll pursue him. 
It's not like God's so small that if you begin to, with all your heart and with all your desire to love him and to love his way, that he is incapable of revealing what that might be. He is a big, infinite God that is outside of time. He is infinity. He is eternity. And he can carry out his design and his purpose for you. So I just want to go over some stories that are in Scripture to get your mind's eye in a different place. First of all, let's think of Moses. He's always a good one. I love Moses. The reason I love Moses is he, he really messed up. And he got a second chance. I'm all about second chances. I'm all about messing up and getting a second chance. Anybody with me on that? He spent 40 years in the desert, didn't look like he was going to accomplish anything. And he was pretty much good with that. He had thought about himself, well, I really screwed up. I really messed this one up. So I guess I am. My lot in life is going to be to hang out here in the desert and look for water and mess with these sheep, which is not a bad life because I bet the stars were absolutely beautiful in the desert. And there were things about the desert that I'm sure were absolutely beautiful. But that wasn't the end of the story. We all know the end of the story. Moses has an encounter of God. He, with God, he gets a revelation. He sees the miraculous of God. He sees that God has a mission for him. He says yes to that mission, and he begins to carry out that mission one step at a time. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do you think Moses knew that he was going to cross the Red Sea on dry land when he took the call? He had no idea. He had no idea how God was going to order his step. He had no idea from miracle to miracle to miracle. He was totally dependent on the presence and the relationship with God to carry him from one place to another. He had no idea when he put the blood of the lamb over the door that it was going to be the revelation revealed to him of the Savior that was given to Abraham that he was going to be able to actually see it carried through with putting the lamb over the doorpost and seeing the prophecy of the Savior. But... Because of a hiccup, Moses doesn't go to the promised land. Joshua does. Well, God must have been mad at Moses. No. Moses was never going to go to the promised land. Joshua was. The next generation God was not surprised. He didn't look at Jesus and go, never saw that coming. Did you see that coming? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I guess we'll have to send Joshua. It just never happened. Right? But who showed up at the Mount of Transfiguration? It wasn't Joshua. It was Moses. Moses didn't lose his reputation with God. He had a purpose. He was designed to do this, and that's what he did. Noah, for 100 years, built a boat in the desert. 
not an average vote, a very above average vote. That had to be weird. David. David conquered and prepared the way. He was a warrior. He took ground. He established the boundaries of Israel. He was given the assignment of building the temple. But guess what David never did? He never built the temple. He just provided the materials. And his son Solomon built the temple. Because Solomon was designed and purpose to finish the work. Again, God never sat up in his throne and go, David, you done messed up and 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 so I'm not going to let you build the temple. He never did that. He never was surprised. He always knew the next generation was going to build the temple. One of the things that I want you to hear is sometimes, oftentimes, it's not about you, it's about the next generation. How are you training up the next generation? Because it's the next generation that actually carries out the next part of the plan. Because they were designed to. They were purposed to before the foundation of the world. Here's, here's where it gets really good. So what about John the Baptist? John the Baptist. Purposed and designed for one thing. To be the forerunner of the Christ. Born to pave the way. What did he do? He paved the way for the Lord, didn't he? <laughs> when he was in prison, right before he was beheaded, what was he concerned about? Whether he had accomplished what he was purposed and designed to accomplish. And he asked, is he the one? And they came back and said, he heals the blind, he raises the dead. He casts out demons. And he says, ah, oh, I'm done. Well, he was beheaded. How, how, how rough is that? I don't think John gave a rip about being beheaded. I think he could care less. Matter of fact, I think he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's not even going to hurt. Shoot. It's over. I'm with Jesus. I'm with the Father. I've done what I was supposed to do. He said to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into eternity. Your time block is finished, and you did good. Yes. You did good. Yes. 
you completed the task. Paul writes the New Testament. He's in prison. He's stoned. He's shipwrecked. He's beaten. Do you know that Nero went after Paul? But got scared of the Christians. And at 31-year-old, Nero killed himself. But Paul was still alive. But his successor believed the same thing, that he was God. And so he goes after Paul as well. And Paul is beheaded in Rome. Now let me ask you a question. Paul writes all the New Testament. We are reading the writings of Paul and the relationship Paul had with God after he had the revelation. And we see and we're able to discover the personality and the attributes of our God because of the writings of Paul. Do you think Paul is worried about being beheaded? He said, to die is gain. To be beheaded is gain. But to live, I'm going to continue to live for Christ. And so he goes on into eternity because his segment of time was finished. God was not surprised, nor was he a bad God. And nor does we say to ourselves, well, I thought all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And with John the Baptist and with Paul, that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. They went from being here in a sin-filled body to eternity with God and had no more sin. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, boom, I don't have to deal with my sin nature ever again. I'm done with that. It's over. Paul, uh, Paul was beheaded, and that doesn't make God not a good God. And it doesn't certainly... Wash away the idea that all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose because that's exactly what happened. We have proof that that's what happened. What about John? Again, there's a great chase after John to kill him. You know, they actually caught him took him to Jerusalem, put him in a Colosseum area, and boiled him with oil. And he did not die. History and theologians tell us that John was boiled in oil in front of masses of people and lived. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the whole Colosseum was converted. So what the devil meant for harm, God used for. And so, because they couldn't kill him in boiling oil, they shipped him to Patmos. Because he had a purpose and a desire. And that was to get... The revelation of Jesus Christ. And once he wrote the revelation, he was done. His design and his purpose was accomplished. 
So I want to tell you today. I don't know much, how much time you've got that's been broken off from eternity. But I know this. God knows it. And you can't reverse it. He's not going to be surprised by it. And it's not about, see how much I can do in this block of time. But it should be. Let's see how surgically accurate I can be about the purposes and the design of God. How can I carry out that which I was saved for? Are you going to be busy this year or effective? How did God design you? What's your purpose? You know, I don't know. Moses didn't know. John didn't know most of the time. Paul didn't know. John didn't know. He didn't know he was going to get the revelation until he got the revelation. This I do know. I know how. God says, you love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And you love people in everything that I've got for you will be added unto you. Yes. In this new year, our desire, our desire should be to lay hold of that which Jesus Christ laid hold of you. Be surgical by pursuing him. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, there's going to be a lot of planning going on over these next weeks. Even as a church, we're going to be planning the year. And we hold that with our hands open, knowing that you, God, are in control. We're going to try to meet with you. We're going to try to hear your ways. We're going to try to hear the intimate details of what you want us to do tomorrow and in the days to come. And we're not going to be passive or lackluster in our approach. We're going to be goal-oriented, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. But Lord, what we want to lay hold of is that which you have laid hold of us. And so, Father, as we plan, as we make New Year's resolutions, as we come into a new season, let us come from an eternal perspective because you are eternity. And we've been given a block of time to accomplish what you purposed, what you designed, and we want to be surgical. Let that be, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.